0: Great thunder erupts and lightning strikes flash through the sky. A strange wind blows leaves in a tornado like circle. Jimmy James, also known as JJ, is is stuck and has two options. He can make a run for home or the train station. Being closer to home, he chooses home. JJ takes the bolt. As quick as lightning without warning, a bright light and a crackling sound knocks him knocks him from his feet. Dazed and dizzy, J.J. rubs his head and struggles to his feet. As he regains his senses and his blurred vision comes clear, he finds himself in a strange land. He looks around and his surroundings, and they are what he remembers from his history class of ancient Greece. I must be in a dream, he thinks. J.J. yells out, Is anyone there? Silence follows. Soft footsteps approach a approach and a feeling of calm and safety flows over him. He sees a beautiful motherly lady approach him. J.J. my love, I've waited so long to meet you. Without explanation, J.J. knows this lady is his mother. Athena, the goddess of wisdom and strategy, goes on to explain to J.J. that he is her son, a demigod. J.J. struggles to comprehend the enormity of the information given to him, from his mother Athena. He still feels like it's a dream. How can an average boy of average height and average weight be a demigod, and what does it mean to be a demigod? His mother goes on to explain that Ares, the god of war, is out to destroy the universe and J.J. is the only one who can stop him. But how can I defeat a god, J.J. asks Athena. You will find within you the answers to your questions, JJ. You must—you just have to believe in yourself, Athena says. You're the only one who can save the universe and ensure the future remains intact. Athena promises that she will protect him on his quest with her strengths of wisdom and strategy. You must obtain a golden apple from the Garden of Hesperides. To do this, you must defeat the Lydon, a dragon that guards the Garden of Hesperides. Ares has control of the Lydon and is waging war as a distraction to his quest to destroy the Golden Apples. On his quest to find the Garden of Hesperides, JJ will need some help. He finds two travellers on the streets of Athens, Ajax and D. He watched the two boys steal fruit from the marketplace with ease, and thought that they could help him steal and he help him steal the golden apples from the garden if he could distract Lardon long enough. With the promise of golden apples as their prize, Ajax and Dee agreed to join JJ on his quest. Secretly, they didn't think JJ wouldn't would be able to defeat the mythical dragon, Lardon. The boys set off on their quest to, define, to find the garden and along the journey become good friends. Dede realises that without Ajax and D, he would never have been able to read the map which was in ancient Greek given him given to him by Athena. The, the journey was long and treacherous. Ares had sent thugs, brutes and mercenaries to try and stop JJ and his friends. JJ had learned to harness his demigod powers of controlling lightning and wind. These powers were gifts from his god, from his grandfather Zeus. The garden was like nothing JJ had ever seen before. The forest was thick and lush with every imaginable color in flowers and insects at the very top of the garden standing out on its own was the was the ancient apple tree hanging from its branches were 3 24 karat gold apples the mythical dragon Laron was nowhere to be seen the, the weary travelers made their way through the forest towards the apple tree The plan was for J.J. to distract Lydon whilst Ajax and D steal the three apples, one for each of them. Suddenly, suddenly there was a loud rumbling sound and the earth shook. J.J. and the boys were knocked off their feet as Lydon roared overhead. They hid behind the closest tree, but Lydon ripped it. ripped the tree out of the ground, throwing JJ, Ajax, and Dee high up in the sky. They landed with a big thump. Despite despite the injuries, JJ attacked Lardon with lightning bolts and furious wind. The distraction allowed Ajax and Dee to steal the golden apples. Using his power to control the wind, JJ lifted the three of them into the air and safely away from Lardon with the prized golden apples. JJ returns to Athena with the golden apples, asking his mother how to use the golden apples to get back home to the future. Athena shows JJ an ancient Greek ritual that opens a portal of bright light and swirling colours. JJ knows this may be the last time he'll he'll see his mother. Athena assures JJ that their time together was only just begun. They'll need to... She will need J.J. many times in the, into the future to help her ensure the universe remains in, remains safe and on the right path. J.J. steps through the portal with the golden apple ensuring that he can return to any point in the past or future, wherever his demigod powers will be needed. J.J. now, now understands that, that, that inner belief is the most powerful strength anyone can have, regardless of being a demigod or not. Although controlling lightning and wind is pretty cool, is a pretty cool power.
1: The Cameraman by Hudson Christie. As of tomorrow, I shall take off to find the lost city of Atlantis, Exclaims James abruptly to the street of anxious reporters. He slams the door shut to his luxurious car and immediately speeds away, not wanting to cause the scene. My brother, although often being the centre of attention, has always been a man of few words. As for me, well I've always just been the shadows all of my life. Only three people are going on this expedition. There is James, my brother, who's one of the world's most notable oceanographers, David, who's the genius of sea navigation, and then me, I'm just the cameraman. We arrive at the dock, my brother leading the way to a weathered wooden shack. What do you want, young lads? mumbles an elderly man out of the darkness of the shack. Keys to boat 319, please, sir, my brother responds. The man hands us the keys and we take off down the pier. Stopping in front of the largest boat in the dock, we trout the ramp, past the main deck, into the room we are staying in, and place our things vigorously on the bed. Scott. We shan't waste any time. Get the sails risen, commanded James, rushing me outside to the dock. As I finish rising the sails, David immediately starts up the boat and off we head. Hours pass as we travel across the rough waves of the Atlantic Ocean until James says excitedly, Wait, what are those bright lights down there? Is it really Atlantis? I run into my room, snatching my camera to film as James was rushing into his scuba gear. I roll the camera and James quickly jumps in. Yet as he jumps, he got dragged under immediately, like a rocket. James! I scream, wondering what in the world had just happened. David looks at me in absolute disbelief as tears roll roll down my face uncontrollably. Stopping the camera, I collapse against the edge of the boat, reviewing film over and over in slow motion, trying to catch a glimpse of what it was. Wait! Pause it right there, insisted David. Yes, do you see? The golden object in what looks like a trident, he continued, as we looked at each other in astonishment. So wait, does that mean the bright light is actually Atlantis? I mumbled, still holding back tears. We waited 30 minutes for James to return, yet no hope presented itself. David and I both knew that the only way to rescue James would be to rescue him ourselves. Yet that would cause multiple challenges. In order to get back safely, we only have two hours of breathing. We immediately put on our scuba gear and brace ourselves to jump into the bright blue waves washing below our feet, aware that the same creature that took James could get us. We jump into the water after turning on the camera attached to my head. To our pleasant surprise, we weren't greeted by that creature. Yet, the world of bright light from the coral glimmered towards us. Wow, this is amazing, David babbles through the microphone that allows us to communicate. Hard to miss, my eyes were drawn to a massive white gleaming castle made from huge shell pillars reflecting every colour that came from the surrounding coral. Wow, it's really better than I would have ever imagined, I reply in astonishment. Close to the floor, we continue to hover above the large... corals towards the front gate of the kingdom. He must have been taken to the castle, I say to David before getting interrupted by another voice. Who is that you are talking about, replies a mysterious voice. Wait, who are you? Where are you? I blurt in response. All of a sudden, from within the corals below, I see a merman followed by a parade of menacing mermaids in which rose out of the coral. It is I, Aeolus son of Poseidon, protector of Atlantis, and as far as I know, you shall not belong within these gates, he declares. The mermaid starting to surround us. Aeolus charges towards us, trying in hand, the mermaid falling behind, as David and I take any chance to swim away as fast as we can. With the mermaid people catching up at a rapid pace, we decide duck dive into a dark cave below. Yet they are still following us. We swim down the narrow tunnel. The mermaids have now closed in on us, I'd we bumping into the glowing eyes of a massive creature. Who no. dare disturb my sleep? The monster bellows. You no. is the monster, focusing on the mermaids that followed me in. I duck my head as the monster scrapes past the top of my head towards the group of mermaids. Let's follow him out David Luces. To me through the microphone. I nod in return and we swim towards the light beaming out of the entrance of the cave. We get out of the cave and rush to we rush through the gate before Aeolus could return. Looking around, you could see miraculous buildings all around the main path, but right in the centre of the whole city, the castle. We swerve around buildings towards the main castle, trying not to be spotted by the group of guards at every building in the city. Hey, what do you think you're doing here? snapped a security guard that was around the back of the building. All of a sudden, dozens of guards had surrounded us from every angle. We're done. We've got no chance this time, I whispered to David, my voice trembling as they raised their tridents up towards us. The guards come flying at us, David and I trying our very best to fight through them, but it's not enough.
2: Within a matter of
1: seconds, both of us were carried into the main prison, located inside of the main castle. David, how much time do we have left? I ask, starting to get worried we will run out of time and suffocate. Prepared to give up, I lean against the wall, starting to grind my helmet. Wait, is that you, Scott? I hear from the cell next to us. James, it's you! I reply in disbelief. I have an idea, I whisper to David. As he nods in my direction. See how the lock is rusty? If we use our air tanks, we would be able to break through the lock, I continue. We stand up and proceed with the plan. It worked. Now quickly, do James's cell. David whispers to me excitedly. We broke we break open James's cell door and we begin to sneak around the way we came in. We approach the front entrance, so lucky not to have met with any guards. Well, well, well! Look who made the great escape! Well, it stops here, demands Aeolus. This time, only alone, just him and the three of us. He charges towards us, knocking us to the ground with his trident, holding it to our throats. Once was a warning. Twice means death. He snapped about to the. He snapped. He snapped about to the press down. He snapped, about to press down on his trident until the monster from the cave comes rushing in towards him, charging him against the wall of the prison. We all quickly get up and start swimming as fast as we can. We only have the span of five minutes left to get out. We reach the boat, pulling up the ladder and climbing aboard. We collapse on the main deck, taking off our helmets to get a good grasp of air. James sits up towards looking at the helmets. Wait, David, did you film the whole thing? James said, still gasping for air. Oh yeah, I did, I replied, knowing that the whole world will finally be able to see the reality of Atlantis. The journey back was just as treacherous as the way over. We arrived back at the dock and went home, and James released the footage into the public. As the next day arrived, we left the house to reporters all around the front garden. James, who was the person behind the camera? A reporter asked, which was the question on everybody's mind. My brother, David, he was the man behind the camera.
2: Tommy passed and the sword of light, another gloomy, bitter Monday. Tommy watching the clock run down, wishing that the bell would ring. Tommy was 3 when his parents died and now lives with his grandparents. Tommy is a demigod as well. He's been chosen to be the demigod of time travel. Tommy isn't allowed to do his powers outside of Olympus though, but only if Tom only if people would believe in Tommy that he's a demigod. He might not get bullied as much. Tommy was leaving school after another bad day and someone started to follow him. The guy was wearing all black and his hood covered his face. The man started to run, and fear entered Tommy's body. He ran the other way, but the man was too quick and started to close in. The man was inches away from Tommy when he disappeared. Tommy was catching his breath and recovering from the chase when a mysterious hand came out of the bushes and dragged Tommy to a nearby doorway. Tommy was in a dark, cold warehouse, cobwebs draped everywhere, and a male voice whispered in his ear, you are safe. Tommy jumped out of his skin. Who are you? I asked. My name is Zai and I am your protector, Zai replied. I help you when you're in trouble, Zai said. Who was chasing me? I retorted. His name was Zo, the son of the most powerful god, Zeus. And that means Zo is the most powerful god there is now, Zai stated. Why was he chasing me? I said. The reason why is because he wants your time travel power. Why? Stop asking me questions and I'll tell you. Okay, he wants it to go back in time when his dad was alive and rule and rule the world with him. Zai said, and you need to stop him. But how? I blurted out. Shut up! Zai screamed. It is called the Sword of Light. This is the only thing that can stop that can stop him. You need to go back in time, get into Olympus, and retrieve the sword. You need to do it now, and you also need this pen, Zai said. Why do I need a pen, I asked. Just click it when you're in trouble, I replied. And the travel word is light. Light, I screamed. Tommy got pushed out of the sky and landed in a swarm of little green goblins sprinting along the path. When Tommy hit the floor, the goblins stopped, turned and attacked at Tommy. Tommy woke up and was getting carried to this massive fire. Tommy tried to free himself, but it was no use and he just knew his fate would come soon. Tommy was trying to think of a solution and the pen popped into his head. He got it out of his pocket and clicked. A small little sword came out of Tommy came out, and Tommy was able to cut the ropes. He freed himself and started to run but quickly got surrounded again. Tommy had no choice but to sway the goblins not to kill him. To all the goblins out there, do you speak of the Sword of Light? And all the goblins went silent. We do not speak of it, boy, one of the goblins said. Why not, I ask. The sword is for King Zeus in the fight of Olympus. Well, I was chosen to win it, and you will help me in finding the, finding the sword. Whoever tells me where it is, you will get a reward. No one stepped forward, but two goblins. These goblins took me to the dungeons of Olympus, and all the wolves and columns are made out of gold, emeralds and rubies. The goblins were watering at the mouth. We went down a little, a little further, and there was a long, narrow walkway. And I knew immediately that the sword was there. As I tiptoed down the hall, all the goblins—As I, tip down, down, I tiptoed down the hall, the goblins didn't follow, so it was all up to me. As I crept closer, I could hear rustling. I got to the door and burst in, and a huge gust of wind soared into my face. A massive three-headed dog sat right in front of me. Wondering if I should leave, the dog jumped up onto his big, hairy, enormous legs and barked a horror bark. I looked back and the gobl- and the goblins were nowhere to be seen. I had to get the sword, save humanity, and I was ready. I clicked the pen and the sword came out. I was moving left to right, but the dog was not phased. I tried to damage this humongous dog, but the sword was too short. While I was fighting the dog, I thought I was on top. The dog started to fight back. I could see its slimy, knife-like teeth. I needed my puny side sword to get bigger. And as I said that, small little, and as I said that, a small little ball flew out of the pen, and it was Zai. Scream the word, sword of light, and you will get help. I said, and I followed Zai com- Zai's command. The sword of light, I screamed, and the scrawny sword grew into a magnificent sword. I took one last look at the dog and pierced its three heads. I have defeated the dog and my destiny awaits. I opened the door to the sword and and took it out of the chest. Then a huge screeching sound appeared in the tiny room and the wolves started to creep in. I don't get out. If I don't get out, I'll be crushed. So I started to rub my hands together. The wolves inches from my body. Light, I screamed. I was back in the warehouse, but Zai was no longer to be seen. when I felt it, snap, sadness and cruelty kept in. He was back. Zoo. Where did you put Zai? I swung, but he dodged. Like I'm going to tell you. I swung again. Missed. And my next swing, slashed his arm and Zoo crashed to the ground. I quickly went searching for Zai, but he was nowhere to be seen. Ah! Zoo slashed slashed the back of my back with the sword. I fell to the ground, blood spilling out of my body. Life was about to end. Zoo lifted the sword. I closed my eyes, waiting for the sword to hit me, but nothing came. I looked up, and there was Zai. He hung the sword of light above his head and screamed, "Light!" And Zoo disappeared. Where Zoo bo- where Zoo's body was lay little blue bulls. One bull read out strength, another read out power. These are the powers of zoo possessed Tommy and now all of of them are ours. The next few days Tommy felt that he had accomplished something because before this journey Tommy hadn't done anything good in his life and now his life wasn't bad at all. He just didn't look at the way he does now. Tommy has started to make some really nice friends and always tell them tell them about this magnificent journey. Zai is also currently living with Tommy and his grandparents and as and as well they've become and Tommy and Zai have become really good friends. Tommy's life is better now and it's always ready when the next challenge comes again. The end
3: now i walk out frustrated i didn't do anything i say to myself i stand outside i'm angry it's always my fault i'm getting angrier thinking about it i get so mad i punch a wall my whole my whole arm goes through it i have always been the strongest in my grade i don't know how i don't go to, to the gym or anything it must run in the family i never met my dad and i barely remember my mom she died in a car crash when i was two now i live with my uncle I walk home to my crappy apartment where my uncle and I live. I walk into the door. My uncle starts screaming at me. Why are you always breaking stuff? I always have to pay. You're a terrible child. I ignore him. I walk to the fr- to the fridge and get food before I could pick up my sandwich. My uncle punches me in the back of the head. It doesn't hurt me, but shock knocks me to the floor. I try to get back up, but he kicks me back down. After minutes getting beaten by my uncle, I can get a can of coke and check the mail. There's a letter for me. Doesn't have an address or anything. Just my name, Rodney Hood. I go to my room and open it. It's very short. It says, "Dear Rodney, I have someone you have not seen since you were two. Come find me." Then there was a map, and there was an X marked that X mark that marked the spot, and an arrow pointing at me where to go. I know who that is. I grab my backpack and run out the door. But just before I leave, I smash my uncle's door down and run to my best friend's house. Who's there? yelled RJ. It's me, Rodney. He opens the door. I tell him I'm running away to find my mum. I do not even need to convince him. He runs upstairs and grabs his bag. We start to run, then he stops in his garage. What are you doing? I say. He has keys in his hands. (laughs) What, are we gonna walk to our destination? He opens his garage. He dad's Mercedes-Benz, May Beach, Accelero. I laughed in an excited way. We hop in the car. We're only 15, so we don't know too much about driving. I get in the driver's seat. Otto hands me the keys, and we drive in the direction it tells us to go. First stop is the Ancient Greek Museum. We arrive at the museum one hour before it closes. We walk to the entry of the giant building. The gates were an abnormal size. They were a good 10 meters high. We walked in through a gap of the gates. When we, were, when we walked through, we felt this weird feeling like we went to a different place, different dimension. They're already cleaning up the place. I guess they don't want any more people coming in. We sneak past the receptionist. She did not look happy to work here. That was the easy part. Now we have to find a spot to hide for about an hour. Look over there. I look over at the statue of Hercules. We sneak over to the statue. We duck down behind the statue. We get there unseen. Hey, Rodney, that kind of looks like you. I look at the statue of Hercules. <laughs> yeah, I guess you're right. I take out the map of my back pocket. It says, "It said, get the one eye that never cried. If you don't get the eye, you will die." Oh we look? At a map in a confused state, we hear a bang and a crash. We turn our head to see what it was. Everything was covered in thick red slime. Me and RJ look at each other in fear and slowly turn our heads. We see this one-eyed beast. He is red slime and scaly. He is at least eight feet of pure muscle. It's him, the one-eyed monster from the riddle. We need to get. We need to get his eye, or we die. RJ finished my sentence. The monster runs at us. We jump out. The worm smashes into the statue of Zeus. We look around for any type of weapon. Nothing useful. The red monster is back on its feet and ready to charge. We start to run away, but I slip on the red slime. I go straight through the wall. I go to stand up and hit my head on a pole. I look up at the pole. Half of it's ripped out of the wall. I grab my, I wrap my slimy fingers around it and rip it out of the wall. The giant eye looks at me. He turns his body to face me, ready to run me over and kill me, and starts running at me. Each stomp shakes the ground. I'm shaking in fear, but this is the the only chance to kill him. I throw the pole straight through the monster's heart. It falls to the ground right at my feet. I completely pull the eye out and get out of this place. RJ is not far behind. We run to the doors, but before we could leave, an arm grabs my shirt and throws me at the wall. That one really hurt. RJ gets thrown right next to me. The monster turns around. This isn't a monster. It's a Greek god. Kiris. God of violent death. It runs at us. It picks me up like a ragdoll. It throws me into the statue of Hercules. I can't move. My arms or legs. I can't see anything. Everything's blurry. I don't know where RJ is. RJ is. Kiri is standing over me. You really think I have your (laughs) mum? I have bad blood with your dad. Hercules. I'm still trying to see what she looks like. I still can't move. I'm lying in in a broken statue of my dad. Kiri's lifts up his sword, blood all running on it. Could it be RJ's? He lifts it up, getting ready to kill me. I find the strength to dive out the way, but before he could, he hit he before he could hit me, he drops his sword. I see RJ on his head. It a giant sword. He has a giant sword through Kiri's. Kiris hits the ground hard. Audrey and I bolted out the door as soon as we left and I looked inside. there was no damages done It's like we were never there. Me and Ijo get in the car and drive back to his house. I walk back to mine I find where my apartment used to be. The area is just one giant hole. How long was I gone? I walked to the gates and peered down workers and machines doing work in this hole. Someone tapped me on the shoulder I turned around. There's this girl standing there. It took me a minute to realize who it was. <gasps> my mom! Well, I was gone, God knows how long. My uncle went to jail for assault, and now I live happily with my mom. And my dad visits every once in a while. I'm still good friends with RJ, and I go to a better school.
0: The sky turns gray, thunder erupts, and lightning strikes flash through the sky. A strange wind blows leaves in a tornado like circle. Jimmy James, also known as JJ, is is stuck and has two options. He can make a run for home or the train station. Being closer to home, he chooses home. JJ takes the bolt. As quick as lightning without warning, a bright light and a crackling sound knocks knocks him from his feet. Dazed and dizzy, JJ rubs his head and struggles to his feet. As he regains his senses and his blurred vision comes clear, he finds himself in a strange land. He looks around at his surroundings and they are what he remembers from his history class of ancient Greece. I must be in a dream, he thinks. Dejo yells out, is anyone there? Silence follows. Soft footsteps approach, approach and a feeling of calm and safety flows over him. He sees a beautiful motherly lady approach him. J.J., my love, I've waited so long to meet you. Without explanation, J.J. knows this lady is his mother. Athena, the goddess of wisdom and strategy, goes on to explain to J.J. that he is her son, a demigod. J.J. struggles to comprehend the enormity of the information given to him from his mother, Athena. He still feels like it's a dream. How can an average boy of average height and average weight be a demigod? And what does it mean to be a demigod? His mother goes on to explain that Ares, the god of war, is out to destroy the universe and J.J. is the only one who can stop him. But how can I defeat a god? J.J. asks Athena. You will find within you the answers to your questions, J.J. You must, you just have to believe in yourself, Athena says. You're the only one who can save the universe and ensure the future remains intact. Athena promises that she will protect him on his quest with her strengths of wisdom and strategy. You must obtain a golden apple from the Garden of Hesperides. To do this, you must defeat the Ladon, a dragon that guards the Garden of Hesperides. Ares has control of the Lardon and is waging war as a distraction to his quest to destroy the golden apples. On his quest to find the garden of Hesperides, J.J. will need some help. He finds two travellers on the streets of Athens, Ajax and D. He watched the two boys steal fruit from the marketplace with ease, and thought that they could help him steal, and he help him steal the golden apples from the garden if he could distract Lardon long enough. With the promise of golden apples as their prize, Ajax and Dee agra- agreed to join JJ on his quest. Secretly, they didn't think JJ would would be able to defeat the mythical dragon Lardon. The boys set off on their quest to, define, to find the garden al- and along the journey become good friends. J.J. realises that without Ajax and D, he would never have been able to read the map which was in ancient Greek, given, him, given to him by Athena. The, the journey was long and treacherous. Ares had sent thugs, brutes and mercenaries to try and stop J.J. and his friends. JJ had learned to harness his demigod powers of controlling lightning and wind. These powers were gifts from his god from his grandfather Zeus. The garden was like nothing JJ had ever seen before. The forest was thick and lush with every imaginable color in flowers and insects. At the very top of the garden, standing out on its own, was the, gu- was the ancient apple tree. Hanging from its branches were three 24-karat gold apples. The mythical dragon Lardon was nowhere to be seen. The, w- the weary travellers made their way through the forest towards the apple tree. The plan was for JJ to distract Lardon whilst Ajax and Dee steal the three apples, one for each of them. Suddenly, suddenly, there was a loud rumbling sound and the earth shook. JJ and the boys were knocked off their feet as Lydon roared overhead. They hid behind the closest tree, but Lydon ripped it, ripped the tree out of the ground, throwing JJ, Ajax and D high up in the sky. They landed with a big thump. Despite, despite the injuries, JJ attacked. Lardon with lightning bolts and furious wind. The distraction allowed Ajax and Dee to steal the golden apples. Using his power to control the wind, J.J. lifted the three of them into the air and safely away from Lardon with the prized golden apples. J.J. returns to Athena with the golden apples, asking his mother how to use the golden apples to get back home to the future. Athena... shows JJ an ancient Greek ritual that opens a portal of bright light and swirling colours. JJ knows this may be the last time he'll he'll see his mother. Athena assures JJ that their time together was only just begun. She'll need to she'll need JJ many times in the into the future to help her ensure the universe remains, in, remains safe and on the right path. JJ steps through the portal with the golden apple ensuring that he can return to any point in the past or future wherever his demigod powers will be needed. JJ now understands that 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 inner belief is the most powerful strength anyone can have regardless of being a demigod or not. Although controlling lightning and wind
4: is pretty cool is a pretty cool power. Year 7 podcast, attempt 383. I ran down the alleyway, the creature hot on my tail. I was concerned. He was about to lunge with his mouth ready to take a bite. An unexpected arrow came shooting from the sky overhead and hit him in the temple, leading him to fall to the ground. I raced home as fast as I could. At 15 years old, I'm currently getting homeschooled. My mum is planning on sending me to a camp for ADHD and dyslexia. I don't know much about the camp. All I know is that it is special. Two months later, I stepped into the car. My mum waved, but I just ignored her and put my seatbelt on. Are you ready? said Spinelli. Yeah, I mumbled. Spinelli seemed to know a lot about this camp for a doorman. Eventually, we stopped outside an archway. In big bold letters it read, Camp Half-Blood. I got I got out of the car and walked through the archway. Spinelli followed. I was greeted by some sort of half-goat. I jumped back in fear, but Spinelli kept walking. Welcome to Camp half Blood, Adonis, he said. I kept on walking and saw what felt like some sort of a mystical land full of people training with swords and bows and majestic half-horses were racing on the sand. A boy approached me. Hi, my name is Lexius, and I am camp leader here at Camp half Follow me. I followed him to a row of cabins. He put me in cabin four, which had a bucket of arrows and bows out the front. I walked in and saw a tall guy lying down on the top bunk. I am Lucas, son of Apollo, he said. This is Cabin of Apollo, said Lexius. Am I? And before I could finish my sentence, Lucas quickly said, Yes, you are son of Apollo. There was a highway of thoughts in my head now. Smanelli and Lexius left a room. I lay down on my bed and drifted off to sleep to avoid getting a long conversation with Lucas. Suddenly, a horn blew and I shot out of bed. Me and Lucas rushed outside, and one of the half men half horse yelled, "All students, gather around the logs!" We all walked over and sat down. We will split up into teams of two and play lantern stalk, a game of stealth. Lucas looked at me, and quickly I knew he was asking the team up. I nodded hat. I nodded at him and looked back at the camp leader. Get into dues and go into the armory shed. The lantern will be somewhere in the woods. I will blow the horn again for the start of the game, and I will blow it three times for an emergency. Lucas and I bolted to the shed, and we both grabbed a bow and arrow and walked into the woods. We sat behind a bush and watched all of the sword fighters battle. Lucas pulled back his bow and released the arrow. I peered over the bush. Lucas hit someone clean in the arm, and they hit the dirt. We then walked to the next bush. I pulled back my bow, took a deep breath, and released the arrow. I hit a guy in the leg, and he fell in pain, screaming. The horn blew three times, and we all ran over to the boy. It was Percy Jackson. Goosebumps ran down my arm. The half-horse pulled me aside. You are not safe here, he said. Why? I replied. Poseidon is angry. I looked at the waves and they were at least ten feet tall. Spinelli grabbed my arm and we ran back to the car. What about my staff, I said. It's gone, replied Spinelli. How can I get Poseidon off my back, I said. You must prove yourself to him by conquering one of his enemies. Lucas hopped in the car. I'm coming with you, he said. You can't, said Spinelli. Lucas refused and put on his seatbelt. To persuade Poseidon you must kill the typhoon. The hands and arms of him are mighty, with wings as sharp as Zeus's bolt. And up from his shoulders there are a hundred heads. He is fierce and aggressive. He is the king of all monsters and will kill anything he can see living. So, are you still up for it, Adonis? He said. I guess, I replied. The typhon is at the top of Mount Colgio. Kill him and take your sword. First, you must get past the dragon to get him. We eventually came to a stop. In front of us was Mount Colgio. There was no pathways or steps, just a steep hill with trees and bushes. Me and Lucas hopped out of the car. Are you you coming, Spinelli? I, I said, no. But if you get into trouble, blow this horn immediately. I grabbed the horn and we started our trek. Left, right, left, right. I said to myself to take the pain away from my knees, but it wasn't doing much. Lucas seemed fine. We didn't really talk. We only focused on the task in their hand until it got extremely awkward so i said what's the plan stay far from the dragon and slowly hit him with more and more arrows until he hits the dirt he replied we kept on walking until we came across a cave it was dark and cold but we proceeded to walk through the entrance i heard a little growl about 10 meters away suddenly a flame blop and the dragon awoke and the dragon awoke. Run, Lucas shouted. We ran and ran until we got to the entrance to the cave. I looked over my shoulder and the dragon was catching up. Suddenly his chain pulled tight. Lucas shot two arrows at the dragon. Bullseye, Lucas, hit the dragon in the eye, and the dragon roared in pain. He tried to break the train, but he was not strong enough. I pulled back my bow and shot the arrow. I hit the dragon in the dirt I had hit the dragon in the head, and he hit the dirt in pain. We kept walking up the hill. I saw the majestic monster sitting on the top of the mountain with his eyes closed. Lucas pulled back his bow and released the arrow. He missed. The monster's eyes lit up and he charged at me and swiped me in the head. I rolled over and hit a tree. I felt like closing my eyes and giving up. I used all my energy and blew the horn. I waited and waited for some sort of help. Lucas was struggling as well. The green grass below me was laid of red. The smell of flowers was now the smell of smoke and blood. I could no longer open my eyes. I looked up at the monster one last time. Suddenly, some white creature came out of the sky. I took a close look. It was Spinelli. He had luscious white wings with a sword of gold. He flew over me and dropped some sort of liquid. I shot up and instantly felt better. I looked at my knees, and all the wounds were healing up. I pulled out an arrow and shot it at the monster, he looked hurt. The monster blew fire at me but I dodged it and Lucas hit him with another arrow. Spinelli threw his sword towards me and I caught it. I ran up the mountain, the monster was focused on Lucas so I threw the sword at the monster's back. The monster screamed in defeat. I ran to the top of the hill and pulled the monster's sword out of the dirt and raised it. I looked back at the waves, they started to get smaller. Pop on my back, said Spinelli. Me and Lucas jumped and grabbed Spinelli's back and we flew back to the camp. As we were landing, a massive crowd cheered. Lexis handed me a phone and said, Call your mum, you deserve it. I rang her up and had a long chat about how good it is at camp half-blood. Percy had a massive cast on and was in a wheelchair. He patted me on the back. Not bad, young blood. Not bad.